When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin. The only problem you're gonna have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is gonna go up, down, sideways, or in circles. All right, what is going on, NBA Draft fan? We're back with another episode of the Draft Deck Pod. I am here as always with uh, my co-host. Albert, Albert, what's going on? Hey, what's going on? I'm excited. We got a we got a big guest this week. Yes, sir. We got uh, my man Richard Stamen. Uh, you might know him better on Twitter as Mavs Draft. He is also the host of uh, the Locked NBA Draft podcast. Richard, pleasure. Uh, good to see you again, man. Hey, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you guys for having me. This is um thanks for thanks for coming on man. This is going to be a really fun episode because we have a good discussion ahead of us about uh, a prospect that I think is kind of all over the place on draft boards, on mock drafts. We are talking about Yuan's um James Booknight. Booknight is a 6 foot 5, 190 pound pure bucket getter. Um He's a tough shot taker. He is a tough shot maker. Now, the reason that uh, I, in, I invited uh, Richard on the pod with us to talk about Boop Night, because I think from everything I've seen, I think you're higher on Boop Night than um, general consensus. So I figured you would be uh, the only person to have on this podcast to get this discussion right. <laughs> Thank you. That is uh, that is very high praise. Yeah, I have I'm definitely the highest of him on him in draft Twitter, probably. Uh, and I will die on that hill. <laughs> and, and that's what draft uh, analysis is all, is all about dying on hills. So um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's get our, our boot night discussion um, started, man. Uh, Richard, what do you think that book night improved upon the most from last year to this year? Yeah, I mean, I think it was just general consistency and volume. You know, he had the flashes last year of being that bucket getter, but it wasn't, I feel like it wasn't consistent um, in terms of game to game where you knew he was just going to be able to create and get his and get his looks. Whereas this year, I mean, he had a 40 piece before going down uh, with an injury. And overall, he just kind of, I feel like he adjusted to the college tempo really well. And, and it really makes me confident in how he'll adjust to the NBA tempo. You know, he, Quick offense is probably his best offense. And in an NBA where, I mean, you look at the G League, for example, where it's just unbelievably quick. And they get it from the NBA where quick offense is good. You know, 10 seconds or less is pretty common. And I think that's a big thing for him, uh, for his offense to translate. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, I I agree with you when he's making quick decisions um, with his athleticism. Uh, his his kind of quick twitch ability. I, I think that's where he's really thriving the most. Albert, um, tell me a little bit more about his athleticism, please. Oh, so I, you know, I'm I'm on board with Richard. Man, Booknight is a guy that I'm definitely higher on than most. I think the thing that kind of pops out to me is like I feel like he is one of those exceptionally fluid and gifted athletes. Like obviously, like you see the Sports Center top ten dunks, right? Like when he's going in the lane and just like absolutely soaring but like i kind of like the the like kind of like the smaller things that he does if that makes sense like I, I think he like even when you see him backtracking on defense like i like the way that he moves and it's really really fluid um obviously i, I think the athleticism is the first thing that like that's the headline thing about book night right that he's a great defender but i think sorry not a great defender a great athlete but i think his athleticism is beyond just the highlight dunks. I think that athleticism is going to translate to the defensive side of the ball too, because there are some moments where I thought like, Hey, like he, I think he's going to be a pretty decent defender. And like, just as an example, 
that game against Marquette when he hurt his elbow, um, I think he hyperextended it, right? He needed surgery. Like that game, he was three for 12. And like that, the headline is, hey, he had six points, right? But And he shot three for 12 from the floor. But I thought it was crazy that he finished that game. Like he hurt his elbow in the first half. He gutted it out. He worked really hard. And I think if you like, I, I just felt like the athleticism there where he was working hard on defense and he was fighting through the injury and he put in, a, I thought he put in a pretty decent shift to finish that game. I think the the headline once again is the athleticism, but how he applies that athleticism on the next level, I think that's going to be really, really interesting. And so actually, Richard, I want to ask you, you know, obviously we see the top 10 dunks. We see him soaring through the air. How do you feel about his athleticism? Because I I'm, I'm worried that people are going to like pigeonhole him and say like, Oh, the kid is just an athlete. But I think how he applies that athleticism to his game is what's going to set set him apart. Yeah, I mean, it's it really just helps him like get his strengths even stronger. You know, his shot creation, for example, is because he has such a quick first step, and then he can just turn turn on you, and suddenly there's five feet between him and his defender. Uh, so I mean, there's more than just the vertical athleticism. Granted, there are some plays. I think he did it twice this year where he had a putback dunk. Uh, for a guy his size is just incredible but no he's he's a shot creator first athlete second I, I don't really see him as one of those guys where you know like you said is he's an athlete not a basketball player he's definitely a basketball player like that dude he, like when i think of you know and a lot of people throw around the term this is a very outdated term now but hooper i think of book night like he, he just is exactly that he gets a bucket right like he has a bag he has everything in order to score and i i just I think the athleticism just enhances all of his skill set more than the other way around. For sure. I definitely see that one. So let me ask you guys a question because dude definitely has underrated for this class, but this class, I mean, is headlined at his position by uh, a guy named Jalen green. So, on the scale of like Jalen Green um, to, you know, your your kind of below the rim finisher, uh, <laughs> where do you think his athleticism ranks? Like, in comparison to a guy like Jalen? Yeah. So, I mean, nobody is near Jalen Green, I don't think, as an athlete. There's like maybe one guy, and he's really not like high on the draft boards. That's AJ Lawson. Like, those two are just head and shoulders, I feel like, above everybody else athletically that it's unfair to put anybody in that conversation. So I'd say he's like three tiers below, but that's more of a compliment to Green and those guys than than an insult on both night. Like like on a scale of like one to 10, I guess, like, you know, one being like Trey Mann, he dunked like one time this year, right? Whereas Jalen Green is the 10. He's probably like a seven and a half, eight, I would <laughs> say. I think, is that, a fair, is that a fair number to say? Yeah, dude, I think eight sounds... Yeah, I, I right. think so. I think, yeah. Good. So that's yeah, I'd probably put him somewhere like a 7.6, 7.7. So, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you look at the highlight, you touched on it a little bit. I mean, this dude um, has a really gifted offensive scoring package. Uh, he, you know, he has combo moves. He has little shifty hesitations and change of pace and and all these different little crafty ways to kind of um, score the ball. So with that said, what kind of role do you envision him having at the NBA level? Um, do you think he's a guy that could potentially be, you know, a number one guy? Is he a one A, or do you think he's a guy that's going to be more secondary or, or tertiary? So I think he could be a primary scorer, um, but I don't know if he's like your lead. He's not a lead guard. I'm very confident in saying that, which is okay though, because if you look at the NBA almost every team rolls out a starting five with two point guards or two main ball handlers. Um, unless uh, I can take a shot myself here, but unless you're the maps where they just don't like, there's very few teams that don't have multiple ball handlers in their starting five. And I think that works to book Knight's benefit. Like 10 years ago, that would be a big knock on him. Right. But in this era where it's, you can never have enough ball handlers, you can never have enough scoring and just different kinds of scores. It really benefits him. So I think he is a first option as a scorer but not sure if he's the first option as an offensive player, if that makes any sense. I know that's, that sounds weird, but like, I feel like they're different in my head. I hope I articulated yeah. that right. <laughs> no, if, if I can piggyback off what you're saying, Richard, I, I feel like um, what you're saying spot on. Like, I, I think 
what we're eventually going to talk about like his weaknesses. Right. And I think watching some of those UConn games, I think uh, there were some moments where his decision-making was a little spotty. You know, we talked about, he, he, he's a tough shot taker, tough shot maker. Sometimes you take those tough shots and they're going to look ugly. Um, But my thing is like, I, I think with that in mind, I think that's exactly why book night is, can be like a lead scorer, but not like a lead guard. Um, I, I do want to say, like, I like his size, six five. You know, I, I think it, it's it's a good height. I like. I haven't seen any of his measurements, but I like his arms. Uh, I'm a guy that really studies like the physique of these players, and like, I, I really like his wingspan. Obviously, I haven't seen the measurements yet, but um, I, I think he uses well. I like his crossover. I think he does a lot to get his shot right, and so I can easily see him being like a twenty point per game scorer. But once again, like, would you want him to be your main ball handler? Like, I, I don't think that's his, that's going to be his role, even like at his apex. But once again, as you mentioned, like, you don't really need that in this league where you have so many teams with multiple ball handlers. And so, yeah, I, I think he'll be really, really good at scoring. And at his peak, who knows, he may even be like a 25 plus point per game scorer if he reaches his absolute ceiling. But um, yeah, and I think a player like that is worth taking a risk uh higher up in the lottery too not to say he's top five worthy but you know yeah i mean the offensive upside is just it's elite in this class i mean i i personally have him as a top three offensive upside player which is why he's in my i mean he's my number five player uh spoiler alert on that front like (laughs) i just i think he's he's got potential to compete with Cade cunningham and and the likes as best offensive player in the class he's just so skilled yeah so you having him at at number five is uh, you know, the, the big reason um, I wanted to have this conversation with you. I mean, you have him five. That's the highest I've seen him. And, and you know, I mentioned it before, but his range is really all over the place. Preseason, um, you know, SB Nation had him at, at 30th on their board, SI 13th, ESPN was 17, Bleacher Report had him at 16th. Currently, um, SB Nation moved him up to 14. ESPN moved him down to 20. Uh, Bleacher Report moved him down to 23. CBS has him at seven. Basketball News has him at eight. So he has this really wild range. And to I think it, it's pretty fair because I think that if you look at the type of player he is, and, and you know we talk about his offensive upside, I think for him, fit is going to be such a huge thing. Because mm. you, know, you guys mentioned like uh, he's probably – not the guy you want being your lead ball handler, but he could be your primary scoring option. And when I look at that, I look at a guy like, you know, Jamal Murray, where I don't necessarily know what Jamal Murray would look like if he was the guy that you were like, hey, we need you to run the offense, become the cog who is getting everybody involved and not just focusing on the things that you were best at. And Jamal Murray obviously really returned great value where he was drafted. And I feel like Book Knight's a guy that if you draft him up high, you know, from in that five to 10 range, uh, potentially there is an outcome where you see that return that makes sense to have drafted him there. But I also could see avenues goes to a situation that really isn't going to play to his strengths. That is going to maybe allow him maybe a bit too much freedom. And maybe he doesn't have the best developmental and uh, coaching staff and he's taking those tough shots that we talked about that he loves taking and making. And there you see him and you say, all right, maybe I see why people have him ranked a little bit lower. So normally there's a kind of a, a consensus of, of draft ranges for, for prospects. And I feel like book nights is so wide and all of the, the options there are kind of realistic, um, which is what really draws me to him as, as a prospect in this draft. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, I think, I think you kind of hit it on the head with Murray, right? Like Murray is a prime example of that combo guard um, who got a role, honestly, where he's not your first option, but he's also not quite the second option to an extent. And I think that's where Book Knight almost stands out. Like the, if you're in the right, you said best, like, right? Like if you're in the best team for it, that can be an incredible strength because that tweener role is a weakness for a lot of guys especially second options. And I just don't see that as a weakness on book night. I, I think I can turn that weakness into a strength to an extent. If that makes sense. Richard, I, I did want to ask um, mm-hmm. to go off of that. I, I think 
Um, when we first started talking about Book Night, you mentioned how he had improved from last year to this year. And I think, you know, like recently I was listening to uh, Chris Sims. He was on a pod with uh, Ryan Rosillo and they were talking about the NFL draft. Right. And Rosillo had asked Chris Sims, like, hey, um, you were with the Patriots for a little bit. You were scouting with them. Why do you think the Patriots have struggled in recent years with drafting? Right. And Chris Sims, he talked about, hey, like Belichick really likes guys who are smart. And so even if they're less talented, he's willing to take the guy that's smarter, but that's kind of blown back in his face. And, you know, watching Book Night, I, I think the thing that really stuck out to me with Book Night is, as you mentioned, he improved so much from year one to year two. I brought up the Marquette game before where he freaking busted his elbow and he kept playing. There seems to be like a dogged mentality in Book Night where he like really wants to work hard. He wants to improve. He plays really, really hard. And I think like some people might look at him as just like a scorer, just as an athletic guy. But I think there's a whole well-rounded player here with Book Knight where he's really, even within his two years in college, has shown a lot of improvement. And that in itself is work ethic. And so, Richard, if you could talk a little bit about his improvement in college and like how you think he's going to continue to evolve on the next level because I see a, a guy who works really, really hard and it, and I think teams should be betting on guys like that. Yeah, I completely agree. His motor is crazy. You can tell he doesn't, you know, a lot of these offensive minded guys, especially in college when they're the man, they don't really put a lot of effort in on defense. I haven't noticed that with book Knight. Sometimes yes, he will take a play off or two, but generally like he doesn't, I don't know. Some guys, some guys will just let the defense suffocate the ball handler and they'll kind of just be like, all right, I missed him. And like kind of James Harden-esque where they'll reach and then let it go. But you don't really see that with Book Knight. Like I feel like his basketball IQ is pretty sound on both ends. Uh, knows where to be, rotates well, I think. And then offensively, I mean, yeah, the motor, I mean, he just doesn't stop. Like, he's not selfish either. So I agree you should take the chances on those guys. So with the improvements, if you look at it, I'm looking at his basketball reference page and you know, his field goal percentage is down, three-point percentage, free throw percentage are down, but volume stats, every single one of them exactly. is up. And right. I, he was also taking much more shots. He took almost one and a half times more um, shots this year than last, so I think it's excusable. And I think that, you know, like, I don't get to weaknesses, but kind of jumping the gun, his three-point shooting isn't as bad as the percentages look. Um, yes. Still a little bit of a concern. But generally speaking, like you said, there's been no signs of laziness in his tape. So it's hard to see that maybe he's not a hard worker. Um, he's a very easy to throw that tag on, even without knowing if he is or not, because right. it just you can tell by the dog in him in the games. And and I honestly hadn't I hadn't seen the Marquette game yet, and I didn't know that's how it happened. I didn't know he played through it, um, which is that reminds me of was it Rondo in um, against D Wade when he like dislocated his elbow and played through it or something. Like that's that's next level motor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, I agree. And um... I think that he, you know, he showed a lot of flashes, you know, in transition where, where typically yep. a, a lot of guys um, who don't have like that primary ball handling ability do that when you have more space and you could see the floor a little bit easier, but even still that's important because you could, if you want to at least see those guys making those reads where you're on the break, you whip a pass to that weak side corner. Um, and, and he did have those flashes. So there is reason to believe that there is some kind of playmaker there. And, and um, I think that, wasn't really given the responsibility of making plays um, on this UConn team. I think, you know, his, his role was to, to go out and score. So it, it wasn't a, an area that he focused on improving upon, um, you know, over his college career. It was more like, this is what I'm being asked to do, tasked with. And I, I think, you know, as he gets to the NBA, when you start really having all of those film sessions and off-season training where you're specifically, um, you know, trying to improve on these things given to you by a, an actual coaching staff. I think that'll be big for him. Um, you know, you talked about his three point percentage, you know, he shot 29% from three this year. If you, and this is where, you know, stats and eye tests converge and you, you just have to believe what you see because he's very, very obviously a better shooter than, than 29%. And part of that is volume and the kind of shots he's taking, but he's got a nice soft touch on the shot. Great arc. It's smooth. He can get to it in a number of ways. Um, and you know, like you said, you put him with a, a playmaker where he's having the ability to, to take a lot more attempts off the catch. Um, I think it's really going to be a positive for him, especially because him being able to attack closeouts on swing passes, um, even at 29%, there's not going to be a defense that is a smart defense. That's going to not 
you know, hard close on him. Um, yep. You know, if you don't hard close, he is going to knock that shot down. And if you do, his, he's going to use that first step to to penetrate. And we talked about his, his athleticism, getting to the hoop, where he finished about 65% of his close twos, and then his ability to drive and kick. Um, so I, I really think he has the potential to be a fun player. What, where do you think the timeline is for him as far as, like, contributing early? Do you think he's a guy that um, can find himself a role early on? Or do you think he's a guy that you're going to look at maybe, you know, slowly progress and, and you, you kind of see what you're getting out of a guy like him in year two or three? Yeah, I think year one, you're probably looking at a spark plug is what I would expect off the bench. Uh, and a good one at that, not not just like a average ninth man or something. But I think by year two, you're seeing a starter. And by year three, you see a breakthrough in his uh, just he takes a step from like being a quality rotation starter or rotation player or starter to that. Like he's a certified like he's probably almost going to get 20 points per game. Um certified starter where you know you don't have to worry about him um falling any really given game and you know you don't have to fluctuate the lineup around him so i think by year three you're looking at a 20 points per game guy i know that's a high expectation but in a draft in a draft class like this there's a reason i have number five. Oh man 20 20 points a game that sounds that sounds about right richard I, I did want to say you know i i think just to piggyback off what, what you said before I, I feel like with the eye test thing you know, like I, I've never been in the mind of an NBA player, obviously, but I imagine what defenders in the NBA, they don't look at a guy and be like, hey, he's a 34 percent three point shooter. I'm not going to hard close on him or he's a 22. I don't I, like I don't think those statistics are running in their minds. I think it really is eye test and like the feel in the game. And I think when you watch book night play, it's it's clear that he his jump shot's not broke. Right. And I think sometimes we can get too caught up in the numbers and be like, oh, 29 percent. But I, he, he shot like what, five threes a game. And I'm sure, you know, from what we've seen, a lot of those shots are really, really hard. And so I, I think that that needs to be said, too. But overall, I, I think you're spot on, man. I, I think 20 points a game in his third year is not crazy. And who I actually had in mind and obviously, you know, I'm going to take a little victory lap here. But what we're seeing from Emmanuel quickly off the bench for the Knicks this season and that type of role, right? He's he's coming in to take shots. He's coming in to get buckets. <laughs> you know, no one's uh, relying on quickly to be like the main playmaker. And Booknight can do that with a lot more athleticism. And that that's, dude, that's really, really exciting, you know, to think about. And uh, what do you think? Like, he could pro- possibly be that type of role, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I loved quickly last year as well. So I'm totally okay with using him as a comparison. I'm right there with you. I think that's a great year one example, though, is – I don't know his stats off of uh, the top of my head for this year, but I know he's been productive in his minutes, his permanent and efficiency have been good. So something like that year one is really good. I think he could be higher volume. I know it's because it's hard to say quickly with how like side note, like obviously his volume has dropped off since Rose came there, but like still that kind of role, what we saw the first half of the season is very realistic for both night. I like that. I don't think that's obviously his ultimate upside, but year one comparison that is definitely a good one. Yeah. And, and Albert, feel free to take that victory lap. The New York Knicks, man, the New York basketball team, they, <laughs> New York's, New York's favorite team, the, the team that is electrifying Let's go. the city and the Island. Um, I'm excited. I'm going to see them live next Wednesday against my wow. Chicago Bulls, the best team in the NBA versus my favorite team at the world's most famous arena. So take that victory lap, man. That's uh <laughs> <laughs> the Knicks are really a joy to watch. Everybody in my life has been so happy lately. Um, Richard, I want to ask you, you know, because you have him at, at fifth on your board, and there is a general consensus uh, in this draft, typically by uh, at, at least the people who are casually observing the draft um, of who the top five players are. The order differs, um, you know, from from person to person, but for the most part, uh, the boards of most people have one through five the same. You don't. This this strays from that. I I actually have just gotten the confidence to uh, change up my top five as well and, and remove one of the consensus guys. But um, who is, and I, I think I could probably guess, but who is the guy that you bumped out of your top five uh, for, for book night? I'll, I'll actually, I want to hear who you think it is first. I'm curious. Who I think Close. it is? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would think it was Kaminga. Actually, I kept Kaminga in. It was uh, it was Jay Green, Green, which I know completely against the grain. And I 
because he ended the season really hot. Like it was very hard to do. It's actually not really a knock on him. It's just I really like Book Knight. <laughs> so yeah, Jalen Green's my sixth ranked player. It's not like he's like tenth or something. So just want to clear that up. I'm not. I'm not like this guy sucks. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all praise for Book Knight. That's interesting. So yeah, I, 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 yeah, I. I would I would have guessed Kaminga, um, but you know you look at the the Kaming, the archetype that Kaminga fill, uh, fills in the NBA, and um, he just has things that you just really physically that you can't teach. Um, Jalen um, in in that regard, but um, obviously Jalen's skinny frame and and uh, there's probably a little well, no there's probably a lot of variance with with Kaminga's out as well. But uh, that's that's interesting. I that's 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 fun. This is why the NBA draft is fun. <laughs> this is why the NBA draft hey, is fun. Rich, I bumped. Richard. I bumped. Come oh. uh, mm-hmm. Makes sense. I mean, the jump shot is a fatal flaw, so I, I get that. Okay. Well, Richard. Okay. Can we have this talk then? For you, you bumped Jalen Green out of your top five, which mm-hmm. you know, like I think I actually think it's fair. Um, I wouldn't, but once again, you know, I, I think it's okay. So let's have this talk then. When you compare Book Knight and Jalen Green head to head, you mentioned that yeah. you mentioned before Jalen Green, absolute like. S tier elite level athlete, right? And that's definitely going for him. But what exactly is it that separates Book Knight and puts Book Knight ahead of Jalen Green for you? Because once again, once again, as you mentioned, it is kind of like an uh, against the grain type of take, but we're here for that, right? That's the type of stuff we want to hear. So what is it exactly that puts Book Knight ahead for you? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it starts with the fact that Book Knight's handle is unreal. And then you compare it to Jalen Green. I think that's his, that's his biggest area of weakness. Um, or of improvement. I don't. I don't worry about Jalen Green getting stronger. He absolutely will. I know that uh, Corey, you had mentioned that. That's not something that worries me a ton. I think it's such a short-term issue. My issue is, can Jalen Green get the tight handle to maximize his elite athleticism? And if he can't, that really takes away a lot from his game. And yeah, he has three-level scoring upside. But I again, I really think that you only have two levels of scoring upside if you're like elite level, you know, to live up to that draft stock if you're not able to get to the rim at ease one-on-one. So I do have worries. Obviously the first step is quick, but we've seen there were times in the G league where he did get shut down and the G league isn't exactly a great defensive um, showcase to say the least, but it's still something that like, I, I just, I don't know how much effects and I might just be overthinking it for year one, because I do think it's your one issue. It just depends where he goes. You know, if he can develop that handle and become a guy who can handle the ball every once in a while as the lead guy, and take guys one-on-one multiple times uh, with a lead guard, or I guess like as the guy, I guess, then I'd, I'd probably move green above. It's That's really the big thing for me. The defense doesn't bother me. He'll perfect that. I think that's a very easy thing to learn and within a system. But Book Knight is just such a smooth score, plus he has the handle, plus better space creation. So that's what it came down to. Jalen Green is... I, he's He's got special tools, as, as does Book Knight. So I, I think time will will tell on how these guys develop and like every prospect, like, cause we see prospects in the top five, you know, bust out all the time. A lot of it is where are they going and are their coaches putting them in the right positions to succeed? So, uh, yep. you know, Jalen green is, uh, a top tier prospect in, in any draft, but there's always a chance. Nothing's guaranteed. Um, for, except for maybe the special, the special Lucas and LeBron type prospects. Um, where do you think, like, Book Knights, where do you think the best situations for him that are realistic of, you know, obviously going to playoff teams where he can, you know, play off of superstars would be great, but that's not a, a realistic outcome for the most part. So so what kind of teams do you think uh, would, would best suit the type of player that he is? Yeah, so there's a few teams that come to mind very obviously, very quickly. Um, you know, not Cleveland. That's one that in the top, absolutely, I would not do. Uh, probably not Minnesota with D'Lo and Anthony Edwards. Houston comes to mind as a great fit. Uh, but right now they have the worst record. So that's actually kind of unrealistic. So I should probably look down now that I think about this. Uh, Oklahoma City comes to mind. They're a great team with uh, with SGA. I think that's a perfect player for Book Knight to play with. And the second score, SGA is also a scorer, obviously, but he can also run the offense a little bit better. Um, Sacramento next to, it's a little bit weird, but next to both De'Aaron Fox and 
uh, Halliburton at any given time is really intriguing. And despite the fact that that Orlando recently just got a ton of guards uh, via trade, you can never have too many. I mean, and most of the, there's going to be a couple of those guys that just don't pan out. Take a chance on Book Knight, especially if they have the Bulls pick. Uh, sorry, Corey, but um, <laughs> if they have the if they have the Bulls pick, they can afford that swing. You know, uh, really anyone in the top ten. And, and actually, I didn't even mention the best fit. How could I forget this? New Orleans. New Orleans is absolutely perfect next mm-hmm. to Zion and Ingram. The third score, and if they want, I mean, I, I just, the upside of that combo is limitless. And then you have Cairo Lewis as a guy to play next to is perfect for him. That, that is the fit. That is the fit. I don't know how I didn't start with that. Cairo's <laughs> <laughs> my guy. Had I, He was the guy yep. I had top five yep. uh, in, in the draft. I love Cairo there. I think he's showed sure. some flashes. I think that would be an amazingly athletic backcourt. And for, I mean, that might be the most athletic team in the NBA if you put Kyra, Book Knight, oh Zion, God. and like together. Jackson like Hayes. that would be, that would, yeah, that, that, there's some house of highlight potential nightly multiple <laughs> times. That would be a lot of fun. I actually think like Toronto would be really good for him too. Yeah. Like there are a lot of really good outcomes for him. Um, there, there are some fun outcomes and, and Toronto is going to be a team that's interesting to monitor just because, you know, they have a lot of directions that they could go after yep. they figure out this Lowry situation. And, um, they have a lot, they, they develop guards very well up North. So, um, and again, I, I actually agree with you with, with Orlando and, uh, I lived in Orlando for a little bit, so I, I have a, a soft spot for the magic. And I think that, I think he would, uh, he'd be a good fit there, but unfortunately the magic are, are cursed until they go back to the nineties pinstripes. Um, and hey, they I just, won't, they won't ever have the success that they're looking for. Um, so that's, you know, it's a shame. I'm sorry, Magic fans, but it's 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 the truth, unfortunately. <laughs> hey, I I think of um, all, all right. the teams. Go ahead. Good. I think of all the teams and fits that you guys mentioned. The one that I'm really interested in. I, I think you're right. I think the New Orleans one is great. I like the OKC fit a lot, just because. SGA is the guy who's going to make plays, right? And then you have Lou Dort, who's a freaking brick house of a defender. And I, Lou Dort this year has been a lot of fun to watch, we, we should mention. But like that trio of Lou Dort, SGA, and James Booknight sounds like so much fun. And then you have the lab experiment of Pokushevsky going on there too. So there, I, I think that potential is a lot of fun. And we're talking about an <laughs> OKC Thunder team that has like a trillion picks, right? And so... They, I, they could definitely swing for book night if they end up like in the top six, top seven. I think that'll be a lot of fun. I think that one's really good. And then you mentioned the Kings. Uh, that's really fun too, especially if they look to move on from Buddy and then they go book night, um, yeah. book night, uh, who am I, who am I thinking? Uh, Fox and um, Halliburton, Halliburton, who I yeah. missed. God, I missed so badly on Halliburton last year. And uh, I was watching, I was watching the Kings play the other night. And I was like, this guy is not the guy that I saw in college. Dude, um, everyone, dude, dude, everyone's telling me like, oh, you know, like people who are down on Halliburton, what are you talking about? Halliburton was not <laughs> doing this stuff off the dribble. Uh, the shots that he's making in the mid range, like he was not hitting those shots in college. So if you're going to hate on me for missing Halliburton, then screw you because this is a totally different player right now. <laughs> dude, I, I mean, I, I haven't met anybody that's in that exact same boat as me. I, when I went to, so I saw his triple double against DCU in person and mm-hmm. it was incredible, first of all. But I watched the warm ups and I, I might take the warm ups like too, too seriously, but I know a lot of like coaches and stuff and scouts like watching that stuff. They take it seriously. So uh, I've begun to, and Halliburton couldn't hit a mid range. They did like, they did eight or something, and I have them all on video of him taking those mid range practice shots, one dribble pull up, and he made three of them. And I was like, man, this guy's. Guy's supposed to be an NBA player. Like, how is he not hitting these off the dribble? And, I, and that's why I was like, his wrist was just wonky. It was just so much wrong with it. And I'm like, there's just no way. And not even nothing, nothing the same. Like he overdid it, completely redid it overnight. <laughs> it made me look really stupid from what I went off of. But you would never know it's the same guy. Hey, Richard, I'm I'm really thankful you're on today. And now I don't feel like an idiot. And, I, look, uh, we're all we we're were, all in that same boat. Yeah, <laughs> We'll di- we'll die on this together, Rich. <laughs> this hill is our hill. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Look, sometimes there's going to be to exceed everyone's expectations. Halliburton did it. He's a really fun player to watch. I, with that, I think everybody knew Halliburton was going to be good. 
the, the question was, was how good. And, and he's one of those guys where fit was such an important thing for him because he was a one and a half. He wasn't a pure point. And where does he go? He gets to play one and a half playing off of De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald. Um, so he, he gets to play to his strengths. And, and if he goes, you know, elsewhere, uh, it, it could, he could look like he, he a little bit more struggles, even though he's exceeded everybody's expectations and just with his IQ and, um, how natural he is on, on a basketball court. I think everybody knew he was at the least going to be a solid player. It was just how high do you take that? Yeah, I always thought that. <sighs> Me too. <laughs> hey, like I said, I'm glad I'm not alone. But you know, speaking of I you know, speaking of that like that OKC team, I missed on SGA too. Uh because I, I didn't Same. know if he was gonna have <laughs> the off the bounce shooting uh, ability. I mean he he took one three point attempt a, a game in college and although he hit it at a at a solid rate, I was like, yeah, look, man, he's, he's smooth. Um, he's got a great handle. He's shifty, but is he going to hit shots when teams go under on him? And, and the answer was yes, he is. He is going to hit shots when teams go under on him. And he's, he's so much fun. He's now one of my favorite players. You know, he's probably like the guy I was most certain that should go exactly where he went. Um, and he far exceeded that. So again, this is what makes the draft fun. Richard, Richard, I have a question for you. And I know, I know that this sucks, and usually this is like the hardest thing to answer, but um, just just for our sake, you know, just for our sake, if you had to think of a player comp, which you know, I get it, it that, that stuff gets really complicated, but at least like, so for me, as an example, I watched Jaden Springer, and I can't wait for us to eventually talk about Jaden Springer, because I watched Jaden Springer, and I'm like, oh, I smell, I smell a little of Devin Booker here, not to say that it's a one-for-one, whatever, <laughs> but I'm like, I, I get little hints of that. For you, when you watch Book Night, who are you getting little hints of in terms of like an NBA comp? Oh, man, I'm going to shoot way too high. I tell myself never compare guys to all-stars, but I'm going to disregard every single advice, bit of advice I've given myself. It's tons of Zach Levine. It's Zach Levine's been the guy who I've always been like, man, like smooth scorer. And I think like while not, you know, his jump shot for Book Night, I mean, is uh, not the smoothest yet. It's very obviously going to get smoother. Um, so I think once that happens, man, not the same level of athlete, obviously, because Levine's in a tier of his own also, yeah. but man, like the, the three level scoring, the creation, the athleticism, that combination just shades of Zach Levine. Is that, is Corey, that too high? Though? I told, I told you, like, I, I hate comparing to all-stars. It kills I know. Me no, look, like, <laughs> sometimes you have to compare people to all-stars though, because, I think when when you're doing player comps, you have to realize that you're not saying that this is the player that the player is going to turn into. You're saying that these are the shades of the players that I see, and he could have a similar impact in similar situations. So when you're making a player comp, typically you're like, all right, here's the high end, and the high end is Zach Levine. Um, And then you could be like, all right, you might have a low end comp, and then usually the player falls somewhere in the middle of that. But there are always shades of players um because that's how basketball works players take things different players games so you're gonna see those flashes those those things all half these guys train with the same two trainers um you know leading up to the draft like learning a lot of the same things when they get to the nba in the offseason they're all training uh they're all playing pickup with brickley in in the city and you know training with hanlon um, like you're going to see shades of the same guy. So sometimes player comps are inevitable and sometimes you're allowed to just have fun with stuff. So even though like you, you, you could swing big on a player comp and they might not reach it, it's still fun. We, we don't have to do this thing where we're writing like, uh, uh you know, this giant thesis statement where we do like peer reviewed research on everything. Sometimes we could just have fun because basketball is fun. Hey, Richard, I mean? it's, Richard, it doesn't always have to be so serious. <laughs> Richard, no one's going to listen to your pod if you're comparing all the players to Alonzo Trier and uh, DJ Augustine. You know, oh, we got- my God. <laughs> <laughs> we got to compare them to all-star players so people actually hey, listen, you know? <laughs> when when I was – so my first draft I did Mavs draft with, like, it was he is literally the reason I am still around and I started. I was in college and, like, dude – Sometimes even during classes, I was thinking, I'm like, that's it. And I was like, no, this is too high. So I was very high on Donovan Mitchell. I wanted to put him top five, but I was like, ah, the norm, though, I don't know. And I just instead was like, yeah, I'll just move Alonzo to like nine. And like, and move Donovan to eight or seven, something like that, whatever it was. 
I was too scared. So my, I was like, God, if I, if I'm wrong, I'm going to look like such an idiot. And obviously now he's like top three in the class. And, uh, and, and my comparison, I was like, hey, this guy was only a one-time all-star. It's not that bad. I put Devin Harris. And I was like, man, this just feels too high. <laughs> the most forgotten all-star of all time. <laughs> but far and away the most forgotten all-star. I was like, all right, well, this is uh, this is too high of a swing. And like, but it's funny because like it was, I was only talking about for the Mavs at the time. I wasn't really looking about like every other team's fit because it was the 2017 draft where the first time since Dirk, the Mavs were drafting like in a high lottery spot. So it was high pressure. I'm like, man, if I get this wrong, and I let people talk me into Dennis Smith, even though I had no interest in the guy. Uh, I, I should have been louder, but like. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I'm very conservative with comparisons, though. Like, I, I am, unless it's, like, a top three guy, I won't throw all-stars on him for the most part. And this year's an exception, clearly, as I throw all-star. should have been two-time all-star by now. Exactly. <laughs> being. So, I, but I say the magic thing, though, because, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Corey, it's it's beautiful for me to see right now. Until the, until the Bulls win the lottery. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those odds, man. The, the the you you run that tank at Kathan Simmons of you know a few times you time. start you start wondering you start getting ideas. It happens all the time. <laughs> you start I getting see, some I ideas, like man. Um, all right, look before before we get you uh before we get <laughs> before we get you out of here. Uh, who's like um one guy in this draft, regardless of you know where they're gonna get drafted if they're gonna get drafted that you just like you think should be getting a little bit more love and, and that people should at least go watch some, uh, some swish highlights of how, how, like what range are you looking? Cause there's one guy who hasn't gotten any buzz. One who's like late for any, uh, the guy okay. that you like, I'll do too. So I'm huge on Trey, man. I think we're, I, I can't remember. Are we both on the same? Okay. I see Alfred likes him. So I got the Hell yeah. out of approval. Trey man's number 10 for me. I think his space creation is elite. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think he's again, like he, it's crazy, actually. Funny enough, because we're talking about Book Knight, far and away, two best space creators in the draft. So, I don't know. That means a lot to me, and I think Trey Mann's shot with size, and uh, even though kind of like Book Knight, not a not a point guard, uh, played point guard, but not a point guard. I think, I just think that's a very valuable role at the bar. He's like a Lou Will, you know. And I, I think if you redraft a Lou Will's draft, he, I don't know which drafts, like I don't remember everything about it, but he probably goes top five, top ten. So it's not. I don't know. I'm, I'm big on that. And the other guy is someone who I haven't seen any draft traction at all. Uh, Isaiah Wong from Miami is my guy. Ooh, I think he, yes. he he's probably number three for space creator. He's uh, I, I'm starting to notice a trend in my uh, <laughs> of who I like and draft scouting. But yeah, crazy athlete, crazy space creator. He's a poor man's book knight. Like that is literally who he is to me. I have him in the 40s. Probably could be comfortable in the 30s. But I think he returns. So it actually may be off or not. Dang. Hey, Richard, let me, if I can just piggyback off of your space creating, that's the reason why I'm really high on Springer. Because the thing that I like about Springer is he's got this really compact um, physique to him, where yep. I think like once he starts to drive, he can give that little bump and hit that mid range, which I really, really like about his game. I think where he's lacking compared to the guys that you mentioned is his handle. He doesn't have the handle of a book knight or an Isaiah Wong. Isaiah Wong's a really freaking good one. Cause I really liked how Isaiah Wong played this year. Um, damn, that's, that's a deep cut, which I really, really like. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I wanted to bring up, bring up Springer because I think Springer is a space creator in a different way. Because as you mentioned, Trey Mann, dude, his holy crap, his snatch, his snatchback dribble is sick. Like that thing is it's wicked. It's freaking nasty how he creates space with that thing. But like, I, I just feel like Springer is a different type of space creator, which is why I'm so high on him. But uh, yeah, I just want to pick, piggyback off what you said there. Yeah, yeah, man is. I mean, the shot in space creation. Yeah, but Trey I mean, Mann yeah, like is, said, is his step back. Fun, fun to watch. No, like he's like the the guy that like when I grew up watching you know like uh all the n1 mixtape and like new york street ball guys like i, I just love guys who have the handle to break you down one-on-one -on -one and and knock down a shot after and he you know it's one thing to have the handle but to also be able to have the shot making ability with it he's it's is what makes him spun and uh he has like um kind of like sneaky good size like you look at him from a glance he, he's i i almost feel like he's I'm looking at somebody who's six one, but he's like six five. So he has like sneaky height that I think um 
until you kind of like focus on you're like oh he's like a perfect kind of you know backcourt guy who can flip back and forth um so he's gonna be it's gonna be really fun to see where he goes because he could he could definitely pop draft as well i agree with that hey um richard before you go um Corey, if i could ask one more thing because this is like this has been the hardest thing for me looking at this draft and i I'm trying. I'm really, I'm really, really trying to understand this guy. But Richard, before I let you go, I need you to give me your thoughts on Jalen Johnson because Jalen Johnson for me is one of my least favorite prospects that I've seen in a couple of years. And the reason why is like, I feel like I'm the only person on planet earth that doesn't like him. Um, Like every thing I'm reading online, it seems to be like everyone seems to be in love with Jalen Johnson. If I, I just, maybe I need someone to just speak some truth into me right now because I don't see it. Um, yeah, if you could just share your thoughts on Jalen Johnson before we let you go. Yeah, so, I mean, disregarding the whole off-court stuff with, what was it, three schools, four years, kind of, yeah. uh, where he just changed around. Um, you know, the athleticism is pretty crazy. Crazy rebounder, too. It translates, and obviously rebounding translates, but they feed into each other. Uh, really good finisher at the rim. My concern, though, is like he doesn't want to shoot. And he also isn't quick so at ugly. recognizing open teammates also. And those that's a weird combination to have. Is He has a long ways to go on the just overall offensive production, I think, when it's away from the rim. Um, just that, that could be a black hole if it doesn't work out. And he has arguably, I think he has the best game of any prospect this year with his almost 5x5 five five versus Pittsburgh. And that was that was the upside game. Like that's the one. If you're in a point to why he has good upside, you go to that one. But there's some big drops in some of his games. I, I can't remember uh, off the top of my head. I have to pull it up. But he he also just had some straight up duds. And yeah. I don't know. It, it's a very boomer boss player. For me. I'm I'm not there on him. I still have him like. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if I have him top ten or not. I go back and forth every day with myself. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he's not in my. He's not in my. Uh, no, he's number nine. Sorry. I, I don't know what I'm talking about, apparently. But yeah, no, he's <laughs> like, there's a stretch. He played, he played Illinois, had seven points in 23 minutes, um, yeah. had nine points against, this was weird. Well, he only played 15 minutes. But Michigan State, you know, only 11 points, 22 minutes. I don't know. I just go back and forth all the time with him. He's so hard to evaluate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think my biggest thing with him is like, I feel like. I, I understand why people love him. I, I'm not going to say that people are crazy for loving him. My thing is, and I said this on a previous pod, my thing is I think there's a world where he ends up as Kenya Martin Jr. And what, with what we're seeing with the Houston Rockets. Like, I don't think it's crazy to think that he could end up being that type of pro. And Kenya Martin Jr. got taken in the second round. Like, when I watched Jalen Johnson shoot the ball, that thing is hideous. That's a hideous-looking yeah. jump shot. Yep. And I, oh, my goodness, like, it, it hurts my eyes to see him shoot. And so once again, like I, I, I'm with you, like I totally understand why people might like him. But for me, like I'm having a really hard time getting him into my top 10 right now. But yeah, maybe I just have to keep watching him. I don't know what it is. I, I just don't know how to evaluate him. He's yeah. hard. Same, same. Yeah. Screw that Copen State game where he had like a bunch of points. Like, come on. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. I'm, I'm with you guys, too. <laughs> Oh God! Is this our years? Is this yours? It's this, it, this but you know it's going to be fun. You know it's going to be fun when you start seeing the. We're gonna we're gonna get some Jalen workout videos, guys, and um, people are gonna upload on the internet. And I think Albert, I don't know how he's gonna be able to handle it. Um, oh, when God. when those come out, man. Uh, I won't be able to handle it, man. That's that's the answer. That's the answer. Like, uh, oh, okay, sorry. Last <laughs> question. I promise. I promise. Last question, Richard. So for me, I'm not high on Jalen Johnson. I'm okay. freaking high on, on Franz Wagner. Like, I'm so high on Franz Wagner right now that I'm at a point where I'm like, am I dumb? Like, am I crazy? Like, why do I like Franz Wagner so much more than Jalen Johnson? Please uh, talk to me about this one. Yeah, my worry with him, and I, I just, I wish I could get the the phrase right. What is it? Like, the sum in parts just not being equal. There, There's a better way to word it. There's something with that. That's my worry with him. It's like, he has the tools. Does it come together and does it pan out? Uh, that's my main concern because, yeah, six nine, six ten guy who can put the ball on the floor, get to the rim, you know, crafty. He, what you should know is draft Twitter is on your side, and generally, dra- draft Twitter hasn't been too terribly wrong when they find the darling. So, you have that going for you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, my, my concern is like he'll be good, right? It's just how good. 
And I think his ceiling is a little bit overrated by just some of the parts that he has. And I don't know if it necessarily amounts to a great player is all in the NBA. Like great tools to work with. I just don't know how much of it comes together at once is my concern. I'm skeptical. So I'm like from the Jalen Rose school of thought where I like guys who can dribble, pass, and shoot, right? Like I yeah. really like guys who are doing that. My thing with friends is like I, my ceiling for him is like what if he is an upgraded Joe Ingles? That's pretty dope. Like I would love an upgraded Joe Ingles, you know? Like that could be a lot of fun. And so I, I think that's why I'm high on him. I, I don't see yeah. him as like a superstar, but I see him as like a freaking phenomenal number three uh, on a really good team. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a legit upside, I think. Or at the very worst, he's like a really quality glue guy who does a little bit of everything. Um, before we get out of here, Richard, uh, tell everybody where they could find you, what you got in the works, all of that good stuff. Um, and again, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MavsDraft. Uh, MavsDraft.com is where I post scouting reports, mock drafts, big boards. And then I also do... Uh, you know, locked on NBA draft. I do some audio scouting reports. Is how I like to refer it. So if you don't like reading it, you know, you can get the the audio version, the audio book version. <laughs> awesome, man. Um, again, thank you for, uh, thank you for doing this. It was, uh, good to talk to you again. Uh, Richard does, uh, incredible work. Go, go to all of those places. Um, Albert, where, uh, we'll find you. Uh, you will find me in the d- deep, dark recesses of uh, Madison Square Garden, uh, just uh, enjoying the time right now. I, I did want to say to Richard, uh, everything, every disparaging thing that you say about the Mavs just brings a huge smile to my face uh, because uh, <laughs> any any Mavs uh, disfortune is uh, good for my Knicks. And so did want to throw that in there. Uh, you guys can find Fair. me on Twitter. <laughs> You guys can find me on Twitter, uh, Albert O.E. Gim uh, is my handle. I'm trying to change that. I don't know. I think I need something cooler. Maybe that's why I don't have a lot of followers. Um, but, yeah, that's where you find me. And um, just want to say one more time, like in the great words of Julius Randle, New York, we here. That, that, that's where we're at right now. All right, guys. And you can find me on Twitter at Hardwood Herald uh, on YouTube at the Hardwood Herald. That's where you'll find all of the film sessions. Um, just dropped Davion Mitchell is probably my favorite to date so uh, go check that out make sure that you like, rate, subscribe the pod, thank you guys so much for listening week to week Um, we see it in the numbers more and more of you are listening we appreciate that so much Uh, and don't hesitate to reach out and and hit us with a comment and uh, on Twitter or Instagram or wherever, we'll get back to you so uh, thanks for listening Richard, again, thank you for uh, hopping on. And we will be back next week, as always, with another prospect. Until then, peace.